Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a waffly versatile Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision newbie from Canada. Today we are going to be discussing the 2015 Eurovision contest from Vienna in Austria. So it's our first one where we're looking at the country following a win that we've seen. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, good. (laughs) I was saying that (laughs) sentence and it just got away from me. It's our first two, like, two consecutive years, 14 and 15, we we are going to be covering now. So that's, this was really fun, like... I don't know if you can tell by my face, Chris, but I loved this. I could certainly tell by the message you sent me last night on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I would say about 2015 that was a downside is that 2015 Eurovision is a greedy bitch because she hoarded <laughs> all the best songs. I was, I actually was getting mad that I was like, how am I supposed to choose? These songs are all awesome. I loved it so much. This is my new favorite. Wow. I mean, I can't can't disagree there because, I mean, looking at my scores, I've got so many scores that are the, they're all sort of wrestling for space at the top of my scoreboard. Yes. I just, I, I, like, okay. So like, if I were trying to convince a fellow Canadian or, you know, from wherever who is unfamiliar with Eurovision and was a skeptic about whether or not they wanted to sort of like get into it, become a fan, this is the year I would tell them to watch. I I just think that this is like Eurovision at its best. From what I have seen, there's been some spectacular years, but this year for me, just put it over the top. Austria did it right. The The performers came like, like to swing. Like they were like, it was so good. I loved it. I'm so happy to see that you enjoyed it so much. That, that makes me really pleased. Yeah, I, um, I listened to the full soundtrack on Spotify for the first time. I have looked what? up songs. I know. I've looked up songs before that I liked on a one-off, but I have never sort of gone through the entire playlist before, but that's how much I enjoyed all the songs on uh on this year's competition. It was really really hard for me to choose favorites and the bottom is bottom only because they couldn't all be tops um in my list, so wow. Yeah. I mean, all the songs. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I even love France. <laughs> I know France is one that you always kind of tend to, uh, you know, put it near the bottom of your list. But like, there were some I loved more than others, but there was no song that I really disliked. There was one for me, and we will come to that later. Ooh, I'm excited to hear what that is. Um, yeah, I mean, this is great, a great Eurovision. The hosts are really good. Yes. And for the first time in history, three female hosts... And Conchita in the green room. Yes, they did such a great job. The venue was spectacular. The, oh, those lights! Those lights, lights. That made the um, moved around was so cool. So spectacular! It was just the production value was through the roof. The the um, you know halftime entertainment and Conchita's performances, gorgeous, spectacular. I like like was brought so much joy. I also I sh- I'm I'm not joking that I like 
got teary-eyed like I cried a little bit I mean this was like (laughs) I know I am also like bear in mind that I'm the person who I will cry at like a particularly emotional commercial so like (laughs) an advertisement brings me to tears so like great assault on that I I am also a bit like that yeah are you (laughs) oh yeah um but yeah I just you know this I feel like this is the epitome of why people love Eurovision. This feeling that I have. And maybe you didn't get this feeling, you know, from 2015 as much as I did. Maybe there's another year that someone holds like in their heart as like the absolute best, best for them. But like, oh, yes, I I was brought so much joy by this that um, I feel like this must be the feeling that brings 90 million people to watch year after year. I I think it really is. And and for anyone who does go out there and watch 2014 as their first ever attempt at watching Eurovision, trust me, the flag ceremony does eventually finish. That's one thing I hate about all Eurovisions of as of late, that boring, long flag ceremony that drags. This was mercifully short as well. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Like, it, I just definitely, it. <laughs> it was definitely better than, than in some others. And um, other things like the postcards, I usually find they tend to get pretty monotonous by the end, but I loved the postcards in this one. It they was good because it actually involved the artists. Yes. And it was such a cute way to do it where the artist is opening this little, you know, bespoke package that has their country name on it. That's all like brown wrapped paper. It was so like adorable. And they open it and they have this unique item. It's either, I don't know, like a toque or a key or whatever. And and then they look up and there is an Austrian who's going to take them on an adventure that is, you know, sort of... um culturally or locally uh relevant like i just loved it it was so sweet i i much prefer that sort of um postcard where it it features the artist first and foremost and it still does a job of representing austria it was pointed out i was like oh i'd like to do that when i visit austria it's not like not like our last main episode with greece where it just had some greek women opening up a shutter and looking into the camera for way too long. Yes, I was so sick of seeing those two women. <laughs> there was just two of them, right? A blonde and a brunette that we kept seeing over and over again that I was like, I'm I am over this. Done with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Well, uh I uh I don't know what else to say um about how much I loved it. I feel like <laughs> you probably get the picture at this point, but Totally. Overall, I just think that it was like absolutely like, you know, beyond in all areas, the hosting production value, the halftime shows, the postcards, the performances like it was perfect. Couldn't improve. Just a few more, few more couples mooning each other, or was there enough couples mooning? Oh my each god! Other? So this was this was the message that I sent Chris while I was watching, guys. So I sent I sent him a message that said like, there are so many performances of couples mooning at each other that like, how am I supposed to choose? This is like my <laughs> uh, sweet spot right here. I was in heaven, except that I I could not pick the ones that I liked best. But here's the thing is that those are the songs that I like best 
in in terms of my own musical taste. But then there was another category that I was fighting with so hard, which was the best Eurovision, you know, spectacle. And I tend to sort of, I tend to to sway towards ballads in that way. So, I mean, there was Russia, Spain, Latvia. There were these huge production numbers that were so dramatic and like the light show and the ball gowns. And so that really appealed to me too in a different way, not necessarily my musical taste that I listened to at home, but like the Eurovisionness of it was just really spectacular. There was costume changes. There was... I don't know. There were the light shows were so good. I mean, I know I'm feeling really enthusiastic here, but like this is why it was so hard to choose. Do I go with a song I really like or do I go with a, a dramatic performance that knocked my socks off? Like, how do you choose? Right then. Well, let's dig into it. OK. <laughs> so with what I know that you love the couples mooning at each other. I yes. have. I don't know your favorite, but I've got. Three songs I think could have been your favourite. Hit me. I feel like I know what these three songs are. <laughs> so, in order of how I think you feel about them. Yes. My least likely choice is uh, Norway, A Monster Like Me. Okay. My second most likely choice is Estonia, Goodbye to Yesterday. Okay. And the one I think you like the most is Lithuania this time. Oh, you got her. Yes. Lithuania is my number one. Now, um, the Norway and Estonia were flipped. I did put Norway above Estonia, but interesting that you chose them in that order because one thing that I found having listened to the soundtrack for the first time on Spotify is that my preferences changed when I listened to it in my headphones than when I watched the performances. So. Ah. When I when I was scoring them, having watched uh, the finale, I scored Norway higher. But if I was to redo it after having listened to the soundtrack in Spotify, the Esto- the song by Estonia is the one I went to more often. So I feel like you know me now, Chris. Well, uh, there was no stand-up basses that would throw me off a scent this time. <laughs> yeah, Lithuania, though, was my number one. They came in... Uh, let's see, 18th in the actual result. They were my top, top. I I loved it so much. It brought me such incredible joy that like, I just couldn't stop smiling the whole performance. I've got, to, I've got to admit, they are one of my favorite songs. So as I say, there's a lot of fighting for the room at the top for my tops. Yeah. And they came in at six for me and it's just by a hair. They didn't oh, come in the top five. I it's love that just song. Such a good one, eh? It's delightful. It is just delightful. And the kiss wasn't. The kiss. It wasn't weird and awkward like the kiss from nineteen fifty-seven or whatever that year was. It was adorable, and I felt myself like humming it. You know, after there were a few songs. Um, after I watched the finale that I just couldn't stop sort of humming along, this was one, Israel was another. It was just like, <laughs> it just like, they were fun. They brought me joy. Uh, but I loved this. It, no, really good song. And it was just full of love. You could feel the love. 
Yes. And it had a banjo and a steel guitar. Oh, and Banjo I just, was in my notes. I yeah. was like, a little bit of a banjo. <laughs> I know. I just, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a banjo. What can I say? And I just thought that it was so fun. Uh, like, you could tell. I mean, do you know, are the performers a couple in real life? Because, like, the chemistry. They seemed like it, didn't they? I know. Yes. If they're not, they should be. I, but... I feel like they must have been because they were kissing in their um, postcard as well. Oh yeah, they must have been then. (laughs) Because it's one thing to maybe kiss on stage as part of the performance, but if they were just kissing all the time (laughs) and weren't a couple, then um, maybe that's that would be a little weird. Although Uh, I I don't know, whatever. Maybe they were just practicing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the chemistry and the I just the the colors that were chosen, it was kind of like a throwback '60s vibe to to the. I don't know, like colors and like. I think you have the visuals, yeah. Yeah, it was so fun and joyful. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm glad I got that right because I was pretty sure that would be um, your now, favorite. Now I am still. I you are still such a mystery to me, Chris. I am terrible with this game. Guessing games in general, <laughs> I am bad. Like if anyone asks me to play the ever like dangerous game of like you know guess how old i am like <laughs> uh, i'm i'm off by decades i'm so bad at at you know guessing stuff so you wouldn't have like a you wouldn't have a role at a fair doing the guess someone's weight game oh god i would never i mean that's just a way to offend people no who asks <laughs> you to play that game like i would never ever venture in those torrential waters never i mean like yeah i bow out of the guess how old i am game i <laughs> i will not venture a guess i'll just have a number in my head and when they tell me i'm like Phew, good thing i didn't say that out loud so, i don't think you know how old i am so how old do you think i am i'm not i just said chris i'm not gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i am gonna take a guess at what I think you're gonna be wrong i'm i i feel strongly that i am gonna be wrong so <laughs> i'm gonna take a wild guess and i'm gonna say georgia oh a swing and a miss but <laughs> i do like georgia they do fall within my top five too far off not too far um so yeah uh georgia uh that's uh nina sublati with warrior i do like that song it's a really good song good sort of pop rock a bit of edge on it i mean how how many blackbirds had to die for her coat (laughs) just the right amount because she looked spectacular i loved that song actually this was one of the ones where it was like Obviously, a pretty far departure from, you know, the two man and woman mooning at each other couple songs. This was more in the vein of like the Eurovision spectacle that I really love. So I scored this very highly as well. My top 10 make up a mix of those two sort of genres. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was my mind up? They had a technical fault on stage. So, you know, when she was completely smothered with a fake smoke. Yes. Was not supposed to happen. I, I could tell that that was probably not but deliberate. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it, it lit up with like the lightning effects. It lit the smoke up. I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, it did. But I, it definitely occurred to me that I was like, I don't think this is deliberate. You cannot even see her on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it de- definitely added to the effect. Like the whole thing was kind of like moody and um, like brooding. So having some smoke and lightning like that it all went with the vibe yeah 
I'm going to give you a second chance. Oh, God. Um, okay. Let me see. Let me see here. Um, okay. I feel like you like sort of a pop bop. And you like something that is a little bit more edgy rocky. So I took a swing on the edgy rocky end of things. So what's something like that's a fun pop vibe? Let me just go through. Um, uh, Australia? (laughs) (laughs) Greece? I don't know. I just don't know. Nope. You're not going to guess it. Tell me. Now, you know how I usually agree with the public. A lot of the time. Yeah. Once upon a time, if you asked me what my favourite song from the 2015 contest would be, I would, without batting an eyelid, said Mon Heroes. The winning song. Is that the winning song? Yes, Sweden. And I still love that song. That song is brilliant. The way that he interacts with the projections on screen. Yeah, that was cool. The song absolutely slaps. But... This year, I have still still have an appreciation for that song because that is now my number two song. Okay. But something has grown on me this year, and it's snuck up and it's just kicked Mons down a place. Oh my god! Don't keep us in suspense. What is it? The Latvian song, Aminata, Love Injected. Ah oh, yes. That song I mean... is so cool. It's just dripping in coolness. It is very cool. I scored that. That is in my top 10. I scored it high. I would not have put that at your, you know, obviously, I, I wouldn't have guessed it. And I didn't. Um, but uh, yeah, I can see why you love it. I thought I thought it was spectacular. And just like that dress, the dress oh, yeah. and the epicness of it all. It was really good. It's so cool. And I, I've got a soft spot for like trip hop music, so like Portishead and Massive Attack. And there was a bit of Bjork in there as well. Mm. And it just all melded to this painfully cool, lo-fi kind of minimalist music and coupled with her powerhouse of a voice. And she's tiny. She's pocket sized. Where's that voice coming from? I mean, I don't I like just uh, from seeing her on that stage in the, you know, beautiful red dress and her powerful voice. I wouldn't expect, you know, she was like a towering figure to me. I wouldn't have expected that she would be pocket sized in real life. But um, but yeah, I am with you on that. That was so my um, top 10 is kind of pretty evenly split between the mooning at each other and the big Eurovision spectacle. And so that was one. Uh, so Latvia, Spain, Russia, um, those were all those were all my big like Eurovision favorites. Uh, and then the rest of my top 10 is more kind of like songs that I would listen to in real, in yeah. you know, day-to-day life. But like, yeah, I'm with you on that. Latvia, you brought it. Totally brought it. So, yes. yeah, I mean, literally, I, I, I switched onto that song when uh, Eurovision, again, did the 2015 contest earlier this year. And it was at that point, it was like, oh, this song is cool. <laughs> and I never, I, I completely slept on it first time round. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say just interestingly is that uh, normally my very top is pretty in line with the general public as well. Um, And I have Sweden at number 13. It did not even make my top 10. Wow. 
But that's saying something, I think, about the caliber of the songs and how much I liked them this year. It's because I agree that Sweden was a great song. I really enjoyed it. I just didn't enjoy it as much. So um, so Latvia scored significantly better than Sweden for me, uh, even on my first you know, my first watch because Sweden felt like pretty run of the mill. Um, and it didn't give me any of the real emotional highs that I totally get that. I think what makes Sweden a a really good song and why people love it, it is, it was the first time that an artist has had like projections that they've interacted with that I'm aware of. And so it's a performance that carried it rather than a song. The song is an absolutely really good. Yes passable pop song it's really cool it's a good sort of anthemic pop song yes um but yeah i i think it is the performance of it that is what won it um it's also worth interesting note worth noting uh the first winner since the reintroduction of the jury so we have the jury and televote split where the winning song didn't actually win the televote it came in third in the televote Oh, interesting. Mm. Do you, what was the number one televote? Um, I knew you would ask me that. <laughs> and yet, let's pull it up. Uh, Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah, Italy obviously scored very, very well. That was number 14th for me. So I was not, I, I know I always say this, that like I have some that are very in line with the general public and some that are not in my top 10 usually. And um, this time around, my top 10 was really, it just wasn't in line at all. Um, but uh, Italy, I thought was great. I thought I thought it was a terrific song, just like it didn't do it for me in the same way. Cool. It's interesting, though, I mean, your point about it being the performance that sort of won it for Sweden, because I I think that that's sort of like what I'm uh, alluding to when I talked about how my preferences changed a little bit when I'm listening to the soundtrack versus when I'm watching the finale, because I don't have the performance to to sort of like weigh into the opinion it's the song alone and so there is a real factor of the the lights the you know performance itself the spectacle of it all it's not just about the song it's about the total package yes um so so yeah that's very a very fair point and it was a very cool sort of projection show that they that they did for sweden now you don't know the song that I'm going to be sort of alluding to, but when we get to 2016's contest, there's one country that looked at what Sweden did and went, hmm, that's a good idea. And maybe push it a little bit too far. Oh. Yeah. But just keep that in mind when we come to 2016. Okay, I'll remember. <laughs> um, so my country that came in third was Belgium, uh, Rhythm Inside. How did you feel about that one? Um, I put it 18th. <laughs> but this was one I liked it much better when I listened to it on the um when I when I listened to it on Spotify than the performance itself. But I think that it was just one that like I it got a little bit buried for me because when I was listening to it back, I was like, I don't know why I scored this so low. I really like the song. But but again, I liked so many of them that it had to go somewhere. And it was not one of my top 10, even after listening to it in Spotify and feeling like I underrated it. I still wouldn't put it. Um, I still wouldn't put it in my top 10. Uh, see, for me, again, it comes down to that cool music kind of thing. It's yeah. just achingly cool. Again, a bit lo-fi. And lo-fi is not my go-to type of music. 
Right. I don't usually listen to that sort of stuff. But um, Love Injected and Rhythm Inside both have that slight edge, bit of lo-fi kind of minimalistic beats. Right. Oh, it's just so cool. So cool. And I am a cool person for liking it, I think. Yes, you are. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, there were some, there were songs, even ones that I was like, this is, I I felt right off the bat, this is not one of my favorite songs. So like uh, uh, Azerbaijan, I think was one where it was like, as he started to sing, I was like, meh, I'm not feeling this one quite as much. And then like there would be a beat drop or there would be sort of a tonal change for, I don't know, the hook or the chorus or whatever, you know? And then I would be like, oh, wait, this is actually pretty good. So, you know, there are, there were a lot of catchy moments uh, musically in all of these songs, I think. And um, I absolutely know what you're, you're talking about for Belgium. That was, that it was a great song. You're right. Yeah. Um, also featured a future UK Eurovision um, artist in his uh, backing singers. Oh, really? Yes, Suri. Uh, she was the one, I believe, who puts her foot on his chest. Okay. At one point when he lies down on the floor, because I believe in one of the rehearsals or one of the, of the semi-final, she almost put her foot somewhere else. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that didn't happen live on stage. Oh, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be terrible. Can you imagine? Oh, God. Um, so yeah, that's my top three. Uh, actually, you know, my top four. Um, I also want to, uh, mention my song that came in fifth. That was the Hungarian song, Wars for Nothing. That is the song that made me cry. I'm not surprised. I mean, just like a really lovely, gentle sort of anti-war song. Yes. And the guitar in it. I just love the guitar in it. Yeah, I thought it was just absolutely beautiful. I'm a real uh, sucker for like a three part harmony. Like yeah. I just, I just loved it. It was very understated, um, but I thought it was really impactful and beautiful. Yeah, it definitely gave me all the feels, and I got a little teary eyed. Uh, so this was scored um, number nine for me. Um, so I liked it very much. It was, yeah. it was a battle for the top, uh, but this was. Uh, a really uh, a really high high one for me yeah it was a really good one um and it's anti-war message wasn't on the nose um like there have been um a few eurovision songs that are a little on the nose about their topic mm. and it's there it's in the lyrics it's clear but it's not smacking you in the face with its message yes yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, for the first time, <laughs> because I'm so bad at paying attention to the lyrics and the themes, I just kind of like watch, I let it all sort of like wash over me, kind of glaze over me most of the time. And I, I don't ingest a lot of that stuff on a first watch. And it would take me, you know, multiple watches to kind of get it. But in this, um, in this year's Eurovision, uh, Hungary, as well as some others, I mean, like, I, I really took in the lyrics and the tone and uh and that was that was impactful. So I agree. Hungary loved it. Yeah. And and the I mentioned before about the guitar. It really reminded me of a Canadian mu- musician Dallas Green. He performs I don't know on, who that is. <laughs> so you might know one of one of his so he, he performs another Wait, name solo as City, and, City Color? and Color. Yes. Yes. Oh, I've seen him live now oh, like so multiple jealous. times. <laughs> yeah, so the the uh, music in the background really remind me of his music. He does a city in color. Yeah, I could uh, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? I've seen him live and I didn't know what his real name was. <laughs> but city in color, I do know. Yeah. Um, yeah, too funny. 
that's uh you know that's very true now that you mention it yeah um so be- before you also mentioned another song that was stuck in your head which is in my top 10 um came in at, uh number eight for me uh israel golden boy I loved it. You know what? This one did, it started off very high for me. And as the show progressed, it kind of made its way down a little bit. It might have been my recency bias that is playing a, playing a part because we've talked about that before, that I have a tendency to favor the songs that I see most recently. But that's... Yeah, because it was third in a running order. That's right. Yeah. But that is the song that I have most been humming since having watched it. So it it's in my rankings, middle of the pack. But I mean, if you want to talk about songs that like that make you kind of like move around and you know bop to it like it's I'm a golden boy (laughs) yes um we'll show you how it's done Uh, right (laughs) yeah it's great um it's so cheesy it's so cheesy and i love it i just it brought me joy i just i just smiled through this whole thing yeah, uh, he doesn't know me at the end. He goes, we got to go, three minutes. It's like, really? I know, that was really cute. <laughs> um, that was really cute. Uh, yeah, I just, I I really enjoyed it too. It's so hard to pick to pick favorites. Uh, every song that we're talking about that you're saying was in your top 10, I'm like, yes, that was amazing. But I scored it low. <laughs> yeah. Or I scored it middle of the road because I like them all so much. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting to like now, I'm looking at my sort of list of my rankings. I'm like, these songs are really good, but they're just yeah. not as good as the really, really, really good ones. Yes. Um, um, go on. So uh, I was just going to to mention that um, some of the ones that are in my top ten, they got they got like no points. <laughs> um, so how did you feel about Austria? Austria were underscored. That song's Unders- really good. Thank you. They were so good. It was like Kings of Leon meets the Beatles. A bit oh, throwback. I- yes. I loved it. Like, that is the song, I think, that out of this whole thing. So Lithuania and uh, Austria. Oh, and Australia. And Estonia. Oh, you know what? I can't choose. But the- <laughs> those are the ones that I would probably put on most often. Yeah. Um. So Austria is the first time a host country's ever scored zero points. Really? Yes. I mean, I I just don't see why. Um, there's worse songs than that. I mean, it's middle of the pack for me that song. But they had a flaming grand piano. What more oh, do I people know, want? I know. What more do you want? It and it was just a great song. It was it was a really good song. I just I don't know how I don't know how anyone would listen to that and be like zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean they took the uh, zero points in good grace and released a video on their Twitter of uh, them singing, "We are the zeros of our time." <laughs> Oh, that's that is good. Um, you know who else? It I didn't score them top ten, but it was eleventh, so very close to my top ten. Um, and also had no points, I believe, and that is Germany. Yes, Germany also zero points, but came below Austria because the way it's worked out is the one that performed earlier in the show is considered to have done better. If oh, that really? makes sense. Yeah, because hmm. because of recency bias, essentially. So right. yeah. So because they were earlier in the list of the uh, mm. performing artists, it's considered that they've got a little bit of a harder time getting zero points. 
Right. (laughs) Well, I loved it. I don't know. I mean, this was another one that I was like, you know, not a winner. Fine. Not top 10. Fair enough. But no points. Really? I thought I thought the song was great. I thought the performance was really sexy. I liked it. I'll be honest, it came in my bottoms. But Fair. <laughs> we'll, I'll, I'll discuss a bit more about my feelings towards Germany. Uh, okay. I, I feel like I should probably reveal my absolute bottom. Okay, let's do it. Do you have any ideas what is my least liked song from that year? Um, Albania? Nope. That was my least, so I'm <laughs> just taking a shot in the dark. Nope. Once again, I'm apologising for being from the UK. Oh my god, what? I loved the UKs. Really? Yes, I really liked it. I scored it 12. Are your ears painted on? No, I thought it was so fun. And it's got this like a 1920s vibe that I am a sucker for. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I thought it was so fun. They had light up costumes that I just, I, you know what? I think that your scoring might be, might be particularly harsh because it's from the UK. I guess I can be a little bit harsher because it's my country and I'm not going to offend anyone. Well, I might offend people, but (laughs) it's people from the UK. I mean, for me, I'm like, I look at that song, I think all that staging effort they did for such a bad song, what I think is a bad song. I thought it was super fun. And as I said, (laughs) as I sent you that link, it sounds like the Bird's Eye Potato Waffles advert. I mean, that is definitely the same song. There's not a (laughs) doubt that... The song is the same. But like, I potato waffles, I'm still in love with you. Exactly. If anyone is claiming that those are not the same song, they're lying to you. Uh, so, yeah, the potato waffle song is 100% the song that they sang <laughs> at Eurovision in 2015. But uh, they did it with, like, flapper dresses on and a 1920s, like, Gatsby vibe, and I was here for it. Yeah, Um. just, oh, no. <laughs> No, no, thank you. Um, I mean, the lyrics were bad as well. I didn't like the lyrics. Um, it again, it comes down to that thing where you know there's too much rhyming. Yeah, that is just a. It is just a a thing that we don't share in terms of the nitpickiness. Because like she sings like while I'm on vacation, you'd be a good patient. Take your med- medication. And it's just that triple rhymes, and also. <laughs> For use of the word vacation, we don't say that in the UK. <laughs> we don't use the word vacation. We say holiday. I mean, fair enough. So it's enough. butchering the way that... We, we don't speak like that. So why are we speaking like that to make a bad rhyme? <laughs> I don't know, Chris. I don't share. I don't share the, uh, the, the hate towards the rhyminess. And as someone who does say vacation, I didn't notice that. <laughs> um. So, so, you know, last time I said about um, uh, that, that Samson song, that the name escapes me now. Uh, the um, Oh, gosh, what's it called? What's it called? Why has my mind gone completely blank? Teenage mm. Life. <laughs> so okay. when I said about Teenage Life, I was like saying, why did uh, it's a shame I couldn't have given it minus points. And then I realised it's my own scoring system. Of course I can give it minus points. I gave this minus 10 out of 100. I hate it that much. I really don't like it. Well, um, fair. 
Fair enough. I don't share that particular aversion to this song. I thought it was great. Middle of the pack, but at the higher end of the middle for me. So all a matter of taste. I'm pretty sure even the people of the UK don't like it because Wikipedia tries and tries to claim this was a, and I'm quoting here, a minor UK hit. It reached 114 <laughs> in the top charts. <laughs> What's considered a hit is something that gets the top 40, not hits well, 114. I will say that your feelings on this song are much closer in line with the actual results than mine are. It came 24th <laughs> out of 27. Uh, you ranked it 27 out of 27, and I ranked it 12th. So I am really the outlier here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I take your criticisms uh, to, to be probably ones that other people felt as well. Yeah. I mean, when is a hit not a hit? When it... Sh- sh- well, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of rhyming, Chris... <laughs> So what was your absolute bottom, did you say? Um, oh. So I found it tough. I actually switched these up more than once when I went back. So like before I finalize my um, my voting um, and before the votes come in, I go back and watch the recap multiple times just in case the recency bias has like sort of made my own rankings wonky. And I changed places several times. I really couldn't decide. But I ended up with Albania at my bottom. Um, Azerbaijan was the the second bottom and those two are the ones I went back and forth on. France was near the bottom, though I really liked France's song. Um, Israel was actually like quite near the bottom, but that was, I think, a result of, you know, it just being edged out over and over again because... Like I said, when I went back to the Spotify playlist, that's the one that I really kind of, one of the many that I went to. (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, So the answer to your question is Albania is where I landed. Yeah, I mean, Albania kind of fell in that uh, middle area for me. My comments echo uh, Marie Kondo. Uh, Does it spark joy? No. Is it fine? Yeah. That's as much as I have to say about the song. It's it's okay. It just doesn't spark joy. No, yeah, I agree. I I thought that it was uh, a great song, a great performance, just not as good as the rest, in my opinion. And when it is a year where every performance, for me at least, was a hit, uh, you know, they can't all be in the top 10. And so I don't think that there there was no specific criticisms that I would give that like she didn't do this or the song was bad in that way. It was fine. It just wasn't as good as the others for me. No. Um. So... I, I really differed from the public in my second to bottom place. Okay. Because I put Italy there. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's nothing wrong with the song. There's nothing no. wrong with the song at all. I just hate popera. Yeah. No fair. Give I me put it middle of the road. Rock opera? Fine. Musical opera? <laughs> love it. Pop opera? No, thank you. No. Um. It, no, um, it... it just no just not for me and it's like i say it's not like electro velvet where i actively hate the song right it doesn't make me curl up and want to die (laughs) i just find it bland and boring and old-fashioned and it makes sense it feels old-fashioned because the song's from 2003 that was when the song was originally written now obviously the rules for eurovision is the song must not been commercially released until uh september of the year before so in 2003, it was written and it was uh, by the uh, songwriter. They entered it into the Italian Sanremo uh, Music Festival competition, 
for 2005, and it was rejected by San Remo for being too old-fashioned at the time. In 2005. <laughs> so then they shelved it for 12 years, and then they revived it for 2015, gave it a few tweaks, tweaked a few lyrics to make it more suitable for the younger singers rather than the older one it was written for originally. Yeah. And yeah, they, they did well with, uh, I, I guess, middle-aged mums of Europe. <laughs> they did very well. And I could tell right away that this was a front runner. I actually was, uh, you know, I was... Um, I knew that Sweden was very well liked, but I thought that this was going to be a real head to head between Russia and uh, and Italy, which both scored. They scored second and third. So it really kind of was Sweden was the the uh, wild card for me. But you could tell that Russia and Italy were very uh, strong contenders. Uh, So I could tell right away that this was going to be a really um good finisher but i i put it middle of the road for me it just it didn't do it for me as much so i agree yeah um yeah it's just it's not for me that's all i can say it's just not for me is no no ill feelings towards il volvo il, il volo yep. not il volvo that's a car il volo <laughs> <laughs> um Above that, I've got Poland, and again, nothing wrong with it, just didn't spark joy. I had Poland at number 23, which is in line with its actual ranking. That's the only one that that was, you know, for me, entirely aligned with the actual results. The rest of them were all a crapshoot. I didn't Um, agree with a single um, official result. Did you not? No. Not not a single one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Above that, so Germany, the other zero-pointer. It's not great, right. but for me, it's not Electro Velvet bad. <laughs> I, I found her voice a bit weird at times, and she just seemed a bit, it was just a little bit too overtly sexual, so. Oh, I liked it. <laughs> Give me a black bodysuit and a sexy lady, you know, <laughs> singing a sexy song. Sure, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh yeah, but I mean, like, I do get what you mean about her voice. I found her to be just a little bit, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It was like she was singing in an uptight way. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Do you, you know how um, stage performers, they super enunciate because they need to be heard from the stage? Yeah. But that makes for the kind of performance that feels a little bit unnatural, in my opinion. So, yeah, I I think that for me, she was like... A little bit stiff um, and a little bit less sort of natural on the stage than than some of the others, but uh, I still really liked the song. I liked her performance, and I liked her sexy black bodysuit. So fair, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> above that, I put France. So as you know, I tend to drag on France a lot. Yes, they have a habit of sending what I feel are boring songs, and it might be because they send a lot of songs their songs in French, and I don't enjoy speaking French. I struggled with French languages <laughs> when I studied French at school. Um, but also, I, I just don't feel like they, with with exception of a recent act, sort of embrace modern music. And that's what I don't mm. like. I, I don't like... And they don't go down like really old style French traditional music, which I think I would probably love if right. someone came out with like an accordion right. <laughs> uh, started singing about uh, wine or something. I, I, I'd probably love that. <laughs> but it's like they go down this like French chanteuse kind of style from like yes. the fifties and sixties, and it's just a little bit old fashioned, but not in the 
like really old folk music kind of style that I would lean towards. Like I say, if they sent someone that was reminiscent of like French sort of country folk music, which I'm sure yeah. is a thing. I don't know sure. if it is, but I'm sure it probably is. <laughs> I would love it more than likely. But for me, it was just a bit boring. So it was quite nice to get the boring song out of the way fairly early on in the show. Yeah, fair enough. I did appreciate that. Um, and then I felt bad about it because um, after looking up the lyrics and what it's about, it's called Don't Forget. That's its English title. And it was uh, written about the First World War and it was written around Armistice Day. <laughs> So I feel really bad for not liking it. Well, <laughs> I mean, I I could tell. I mean, I I do speak French. I understand French, but in the way that um, that lyrics sometimes don't really penetrate. And uh, although many did in this uh, in in this season or this uh, year, I should say, uh, I did not get that from France. I didn't ingest the lyrics enough to know that that was what it was about. But you could tell that it was about something sort of like kind of epic and tragic and I thought it was very emotional I generally don't dislike France's submissions as much as you do though I did score this one low actually lower than you did I think wow um but but it was just a you know because I liked them all so much but but yeah I hear what you're saying there does seem to be there feels to be a level of sameness from all of the France entries that we see uh, there isn't kind of there isn't much shake up in yeah. in the types of uh, songs that they that they enter. So, uh, so yeah, point taken. But I mean, it's not that I hate all French songs. So I'm not going to tell you which year it is. But if you remember in the Eurovision film, uh, Bilal Hassani, he's uh, one of the people in the song along. Yes, um, got like the glasses and like the long white hair. I think it is a wig. Yeah. Um, he represents France one year, and his song absolutely is brilliant. It's a really oh, good song. There you go. So I don't hate all French songs. And, Fair. Um, I, I like Twin Twin as well, Mustache. That was a good song from France. And again, it oh, was yeah, more modern. Was it was more modern. So yeah, Fr- France needs to embrace modern song, I think. Maybe so. Um but yeah, I mean, overall, I I still enjoyed the song well enough. But yeah, I was in agreement that was in my bottom as well. So, um, yeah, I think that. Uh, are there any other songs that you want to to go into detail on? Well, I think we should talk about we've we've discussed all of the uh, all but one of the big five. Okay. Yes. So we've got Spain to cover. Yes. So I I scored Spain well. Yeah, I remember you saying because I I like that song. It's a good song, but because like we keep saying, so many great songs, it ended up middle yeah. of the pack for me. Well, I was very surprised with how low it scored. It came in twenty one out of twenty seven. Middle of the pack then would mean would mean that you scored it a little bit higher than the actual ranking, and I scored it seventh. So we both uh, put it higher than it actually did. But um, this was actually one that I sort of went back and forth on. So I had in a cluster in my top ten. Russia, Georgia, Spain, Latvia, all one after the other. They were five, six, seven, eight. And um, like they all kind of had a similar vibe, even though they're very different songs than the the epicness, the drama of the performance. But like I thought Spain was spectacular. I loved the performance. I thought the vocals were beautiful. The costume change was great. The wind machine was going. Um, Blowing cake I with really no loved the wheel. 
No hamster wheel. No, that is true. <laughs> but uh, out of the submissions that I've seen from Spain in the Eurovisions I've watched so far, I this is my favorite that I have seen. So I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, without going over my points so far that I've awarded for the lo- years that we listened to, I feel like this is my favorite Spanish entry so far that we've covered. It's yeah. not my favorite ever Spanish one. No. There is a clear front run of my favorite Spanish song, which didn't do well with the public either. So really good one we'll come to, yeah. Yeah. Um and then then the last song we've got to discuss from ones that were automatically qualified, not part of the big five, not the host country, Australia. Because they were there as a one off originally intended for the um the uh, contest sixtieth anniversary. Because Eurovision is massive in Australia. People wake right. up first thing on a Sunday morning, like ridiculous clock, like six AM, something ridiculous to <laughs> watch it and they were just a passive watcher you know but it was massive they were just watching right. passively having no input on, into it and then they finally got a chance to take part in the contest and it was intended originally just as a one-off and if they won the contest it wouldn't be hosted in australia because time zones sure. so it would be hosted in a european uh, country in conjunction with uh, sbs which i think is the australian broadcast that was a uh, that broadcast eurovision um and then I didn't like the song. I scored it number two. <laughs> I loved it. I really loved it. This is a song that I would put on on any given day. Like it had Bruno Mar- Mars um, sort of vibes to me. I I thought it was really really good. See, to me, it felt like a reject a, a rejected sort of noughties pop group song. I was. Oh, I man, remember. No. I remember being so excited about Australia thinking i was thinking that they're really gonna bring it and obviously you thought they did really bring it yes for they me, did. i was disappointed at the time and then when i was rewatching, it i was thinking because obviously they scored really quite high they came in fifth yes so, so i was looking into it thinking was their high score a novelty because it was a new country they could vote for but no it did well with both the televote and the jury so i'm the outlier i just don't like it Yes, you are the outlier. And this is one where, I mean, like, I'm all about like, you know, whatever floats your boat. And, you know, it's all a matter of taste. But this one, I'm like, seriously, Chris, <laughs> that was such a good song. No, nah, it just didn't do it for me. Not no, at all. fair enough. Yeah, um, that was my number, my number two. And I, I thought that it was really lovely, the reception that Australia got. They had such a huge um like crowd reaction when the judging you know was happening with the australian judge coming on and massive cheers in the hall yes i which i thought was really lovely and on that uh note i thought that the hosts handled the the booing of russia very tactfully because um you know obviously there was political stuff going on at the time. It was something that was coming out um, by way of booing the Russian performer who, you know, obviously. She's not responsible for Russia's she's crimes. Not respons- That's right. She's not responsible for um, for the, the, you know, political happenings that were going on at the time. And so I thought that it, they handled it very tactfully when they said this is about the music. It's not about the politics and please treat all of the performers with respect. And so I thought that that was yeah. handled well as well. The motto of that year is was building bridges. So, yes. Um this was a time that first time they deployed their anti-booing technology, which is a fancy way, I think, of saying 
they muted the volume and replaced it with the stock footage of cheering. <laughs> Fair enough. I well, think that's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I did, uh, I did really like that they did that and that they addressed it. I did like the crowd reaction to Australia, although they did not, uh, use the booing technology I, or anti-booing uh, for the reciprocal voting that still occurs. They just let that play out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder why, because obviously uh, uh, Greece gave Cyprus 10 points, not the usual 12. So I wonder if the booing was because of the reciprocal voting or it's from annoyed Cypriots in the audience saying, eh, where's our 12? <laughs> I don't know. I got the impression that it was it was because of the the usual sort of reciprocity but but maybe (laughs) maybe it was because there wasn't quite enough who knows but um but yeah either way I thought it was I thought I thought it was done very well I thought that the technical glitches that they had during the voting process was handled well by the hosts they just they just move straight on and say we'll come back to our country yeah exactly no big deal Um, no big deal yeah so all, all handled really well and, um, yeah, really good. Hey there, it's Chris. Just want to say, as always, thank you for listening to the podcast. To us, you're all heroes. But we want to feel your love injected, and you can inject that love by leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts, by following us on Twitter at ThinkAboutEuro, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash ThinkAboutEurovision, and also by checking out our website, thinkabouteuro.vision. If you do any of those things, then to us, you're a golden boy, or girl, and we will forever be still in love with you. Who wrote this? Oh, I did. Yeah. Figures. Anyway, back to the podcast. So moving on from the songs and to the halftime show. Yeah. Um, so we had um, the Percussion Planets Ensemble with, so that guy you sort of saw jumping around like an absolute lunatic, it's his band. That guy who looked kind of like Elon Musk, I think. (laughs) Sure. Martin Grubinger. Um, it's like, dude, just get a few more members of the band so, (laughs) so you can calm down. And it felt so mad and intense. It's like, guys, slow down. There's not a train to catch. <laughs> just I loved it. <laughs> oh yeah, really good, really yeah. intense. And then it got weird with the old dudes going. Lah. Apparently, that's a really famous choir um, called the Arnold Schoenberg Choir, the Grammy oh, Award winning. Really? Yeah, just a bunch of old dudes in suits going la. Oh. Well, I liked it. I liked all of it. <laughs> um, it like it uh it had me like moving in my seat when i like i did i always kind of like make a coffee and stuff it's a long show <laughs> but so i always tend to make a coffee during the halftime or the voting at some point and when i got up to make it i was kind of like you know bop into the kitchen and you know like in time to the beat it just had me moving it had me feeling good my favorite bit was a when they had the massive mallets and just hitting like Bits of metal, really, with massive mallets. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a great show. Like I really enjoyed that. Like a test your strength that. style mallet. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and we've already talked about the postcards. Uh, anything other than the voting um, 
you know, things that we've already talked about, the technical uh, issues. And... I think we've got to talk about Conchita's halftime performance. Okay, yes. So she performed uh, two songs from her album, which they did the world's most subtle plug for. Oh my God, so subtle. <laughs> they were like, were these your favorite titles from your album? And Conchita was like, my whole album is my favorite from the album. <laughs> but I mean, it was really good because like, I mean, that first one, You Are Unstoppable, based on our, her victory speech where she said, we are unstoppable. Mm. I wonder if that was planned. Hmm. <laughs> Probably. Um, but, you know, that was like a good rousing sort of sing-along anthemic one. And then she yeah. changed it into her other single, Firestorm. So, you know, lost the cape and the black top. It's like a a top sort of covered in crystals. And it's a yes. really good pop song. And it could have been like a really good sort of summer radio hit in 2015, I think. Yeah, I thought Conchita's performances were were just fantastic. And, uh, you know, it really was clear why she was a winner in 2014. In some of these Eurovisions, um, because in many of the cases, I, I mean, this is the first time where I saw the performer that I had already seen the winning performance. In all the other cases, I'm seeing them perform for the first time the year after when they yeah. are you know, when they're opening the show with that number. And in some cases I was like, huh, that was a winner. And was it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you can um, see why she is winning material uh, with that performance. Right. Yeah. So it's really good to see a, an artist actually come back with a song that if it was entered into Eurovision would not embarrass themselves. Yeah. I agree. She like, you know, she she proved she was not a one hit wonder because the songs that she did off of her album, I thought were great. And um, and I loved that they included her in the hosting. In in most cases, the performer comes back for, you know, for the performance, but doesn't stick around to be a part of the hosting responsibilities. And I love that they had her do that. Well, then you say that. But when we do cover the uh, 2016 contest... Monzermelo is one of the hosts. Oh, really? Yes. So I think I've mentioned my favourite hosting pair, and it is uh, Petra Murder uh, and Monzermelo for the okay. 2016 contest. They are the best hosts, but we'll come to that one day. Okay, we'll come to that when we watch it. Though I will say that, like, uh, I did find him to be very natural when he was giving his acceptance speech and stuff. It doesn't surprise me that he makes uh, a good and natural host. No, so if you remember when we did the 2017 contest, he was the one who taught the um, free yes. male hosts about hosting the show. Right. Yeah, I really like him. Yeah, he's really good professional. Um, and he's also... I think co-hosted uh, the UK's selections show a couple of years ago because he's based in London now. He lives in London, so it made sense. Nice. We've got a Eurovision star on our doorstep. Let's get him in to host. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, so, yeah, that's what I have to say about the sort of halftime act. Uh, we've covered a bit of the voting weirdness. Um, a few other things I want to raise. That annoying binging sound every time they added an, a points to the scoreboard. Oh, I didn't. I didn't really notice it to the point that it is registering when you mention it. One of those little weird things that just really annoyed me. <laughs> um, I like the uh, visuals of Matsy showing like a bridge being built between Austria and the country they're getting the points from. That was a good little uh, visual thing. Uh, yes. Referred to the uh, theme of the year. Yes. Uh, familiar faces in the... Uh, 
spokespersons, did you notice a familiar face waving like an idiot? No. Teo from Belarus who sung Cheesecake. Oh! <laughs> He's like waving like an absolute simpleton for like a 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, no. Bless his cotton socks. <laughs> um, and And then we had the thing that we both hate. Where there's still countries left to announce their vo- votes. Oh, I hate that. And they tell you, we've done the maths and they've spoiled the result. But let's go look at some other countries' votes first. I just don't like the way that they do that. And then the worst part for me is, is that like, it isn't obvious. I mean, you could tell when Sweden won that he didn't know that he won. No. Right? He was surprised by it because most of us are not doing the you know the the math in our heads to know that it isn't possible and so even if a computer out there or you know some beautiful mind math whiz is like counting it in a way that they know the regular viewing audience i think would not and so they are spoiling a level of um i think dramatic finish by just spoiling it early because even if it's true we're not all adding it up in our heads so just let it play out i wouldn't even mind if they gave like the winning team's delegation like a heads up you know at that point like like something non-verbal so they could maybe keep the reaction for the artist but for the team who needs to get stuff prepared maybe give them a little secret sign a heads up that it's coming and just get get your artist ready maybe let him know I think you might be winning. Something like that. Yeah. Just so, you know, if any article maybe go, oh yeah, let me just do the points in my head. If they work it out, that's fine. Right. But yeah, to announce it and then go to other countries to announce their votes. Eh. I know. It's just like, so why annoying. even bother at that point? It's so anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, yeah, not the best. Um, trying to think of other bits that I really enjoyed. So, oh, Russia. Russia. And our 12 points go to Russia. Ha, ha. Oh, I know the audience did not like that at all. <laughs> I thought that's quite funny. Lean into the villain angle. Yeah. Yeah. The audience definitely like let them know with their reaction that they didn't like the joke. But I mean, I was I fine it was with funny. it. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of the Russian performer, Paulina? Uh, yeah. Pa- Paulina, I believe. I'm trying to remember. Well, either way, um, I just found her to be the loveliest most humble like i i just thought that her emotional reaction invoked an emotional reaction in me i was rooting for her even though she wasn't my top russia was not my top song but i just yeah, we've I, actually not discussed that song so where did it come for you uh it came in fifth for me wow. um so still very highly ranked but not quite as high as the as the public ranked it uh i thought that this was it gave me celine vibes she really kind of gave like an epic chanteuse sort of uh sort of yeah. performance to me i thought the song was great it was very eurovision it was very dramatic um and i felt badly for her when she was being booed through no fault of her own and she was clearly very emotional about the performance and the opportunity and i just like you know i found myself rooting for her no i mean it's a good song um for me middle of a pack again because that battle was so hard Uh, Mm -hmm. and i think it did lose points for that stomp stomp clap moment bit cliche i don't i didn't mind that (laughs) Uh, not a fan of it (laughs) 
Yeah, chalk that up to uh, yet another one where I'm like, meh, and um, <laughs> you being a musician have much more particular tastes, I think. I, I am particular. I think that's a polite <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yes, but uh, but yeah, I think that I think that she she was lovely and not tops for me, but I just I was very emotional when I saw her being so emotional and saying hi to her mom and her daughter in the in the audience and stuff. So I think that's the 2015 contest wrapped up. The 60th anniversary of Eurovision. Or as a foot the representative for your former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia went happy 60 birthday Eurovision song contest um, <laughs> um, that was actually pretty cute I thought it was funny <laughs> um, yeah so I don't know if you uh, got this vibe Chris but I really liked this year uh, I thought Did it was you? very good <laughs> I hadn't um, noticed my new favorite my new favorite by far well then no. And, and this one, I uh, I took I took th- I took it that this one was pretty high up in your ranks as well. I love it. It's a really good yeah. contest. So yeah. many good songs. And when when I chose this one in our list, it was like I, I chose it because I wanted to do a more modern one. I kind of wanted to continue from the twenty fourteen contest. I didn't realize how many of those songs I really loved until rewatching it. Right. So it's been a real joy to actually go back to this contest. Yeah, I've got some sad news. What? That's the last Eurovision we're look Eurovision Song Contest we're looking at in the first series of Think About Eurovision. <gasps> what? I'm afraid. Tell me so. more. What are we? What are we moving on to? So, next week, as always, we're going to have a DNQ file. We're going to look at a song that failed to qualify for the 2015 final. Oh, okay. I'm so we got a little that. a little snippet of Eurovision Song Contest, but then. <laughs> The week after that, we're not doing a main episode because we need to jig, rejig our plan for the episodes because we've got a special coming up at the end of November. Mm-hmm. So at the end of November, we're going to be fairly straight after the contest. We're going to be reviewing the 2020 Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Ah, oh, I'm but excited for that. Before we watch that, we need to see a past Junior Eurovision Song Contest because it's only fair... Because this year's Junior Eurovision is going to be all remote performances, right? So we need this... to we need to see a proper one done as intended first. So yeah. our next main episode is going to be the twenty fourteen Junior Euro, Junior Eurovision Song Contest. And do you, why twenty fourteen? Because we started with a twenty fourteen Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, I like it. Full so circle. Le- let's match up those years. And, and then before we do the 2014 contest, we're going to have a bonus episode where we're going to look at a former winning song of Junior Eurovision to really get you in the mood. Okay. So you've got that to look forward to. I'm really excited. I feel like I have really gotten a good sense of Eurovision now, having seen uh, multiple finals from multiple decades and so now i'm really excited to see how the junior eurovision differs and how it brings its own sort of um you know vibe and qualities and stuff so i'm really excited and chris can i just say like way to end our eurovision coverage on a high note with 2015 yes uh, and, and regarding junior eurovision i'm looking forward to this because i have never watched a junior eurovision song contest before 
I've seen a few of the songs, so we're both going complete new to this. Yes, we'll both be newbies to this one. So that'll that'll be fun. That'll be a, a fun change of pace for you too to kind of experience it for the first time. Indeed. And then just an advance warning to all the listeners out there. We'll be taking most of December off, but we will be having a Christmas special. So look oh. out for that one. Yay. Well, this sounds like we have lots of exciting things still to come, Chris. I'm really excited. And although it's not the end of the first series, uh, this being the end of our Eurovision, uh, you know, main Eurovision coverage, uh, let me just say how much I enjoyed it. I feel like I have gotten such a great repertoire of all the things that Eurovision has to offer, and I love every minute of it. So thank you so much. No worries. And I, I think we should let the listeners decide. How should you how should you announce yourself going forward? Because I don't think you know you're oh. no longer a Eurovision newbie, are you? No, I feel like maybe I'm not. I can't I can't call myself a newbie forever. No. Um. So maybe I'll be Kim with an intermediate level of Eurovision <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> Snappy. <laughs> Kim with some minor experience in watching Eurovision from Canada. (laughs) Well then, if you have any suggestions, tweet them into us at thinkabouteuro. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And thanks, Chris. No worries. Till next time. Bye. Bye. La 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 la